Well, good morning. How is everybody? Everybody's good? Having a good Sunday so far? Just a couple of you? Okay. All right. That's good. Now, glad you guys are here. As Pastor was saying, my name is Rich. I'm one of the pastors here and glad that I get to share with you this morning uh, as we've been in this um, series, Shaped to Serve. And hopefully... Uh, what is shared this morning will, will be a benefit to you and will help you um, start to work through some of this. And as he was saying, when we uh, in the fall, when we have our 301 class, our ministry matters, that that might be something that you would take advantage of because it will really help you in really discovering how, how God has shaped you and formed you uh, for his service. So let's go ahead and hop right in. If you have your uh, program, you'll see on the inside there, there is uh, the outline there. So if you love to take notes, you could take your outline out and you can just fill in some spaces there. So go ahead and get started. Our, our theme verse for this whole series is Isaiah 64, 8. And it says this, you, Lord, are our father. We are nothing but clay, but you are the potter who has molded us. And we've been looking in this series uh, how God has molded us, how God has shaped us each and every one of us, for his service. Ephesians 2.10 says this, that we are God's masterpiece, that he created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. I love that, that we are God's masterpiece. God prepared in advance what you would do with your life. He has a plan and design for your life. And that's where you'll find most fulfillment. You'll be most fulfilled when you get in on his will for your life. The Bible says that you were formed, that you were shaped. We talked about the last couple of weeks how you were uniquely created to be who you are, to be you for his purpose. He put you on the earth for a reason that you're not an accident, that you're here for a purpose. You are his workmanship. I love that word that you're his workmanship just crafted you. So how do you know what God's purpose is for your life? I'm glad you asked that question. That's kind of what we're going to be talking about some today. Well, if you want to know what God's purpose is for your life, you look at your shape. You look at how God created you. How, how has he made you? How has he formed you? That's an indication of what God wants you to do with your life. And we've been in this series that we've been calling Shaped to Serve, and we're looking at five factors. We've taken that word shape, made an acrostic out of it, and we're looking at your spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities, your personality, and then your experiences. All of those put together make you, you. They make you who you are. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 6. It says this, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who works in all of us. So the first week, uh, Pastor Jerry shared on our spiritual gifts. That's the first thing, that there are different kinds of spiritual gifts that God gives us when we become a Christian. Then we looked last week that there are different ways of serving, that God has given us a heart, a passion for certain things, some basic interests, some motivations that cause us and drive us to be who we are. Today I want us to look at this third part of our shape and that is our abilities. That there are different abilities to perform service. 
We're all given different abilities in life. Obviously, we're all different. None of us are like physically. We're shaped differently. Um, with that physical being different, think about it this way. Um, some of us were never meant to be basketball players. But at the same way, some of us were never meant to be jockeys on a racehorse because we are different. And because we are different, we need to accept that. It's okay to be different. It would be silly to expect everyone to have the same abilities, just like it would be silly to expect everyone to look the same. This reminds me of the story I read about um, some animals who, started to, who, who decided to start a school. Now, I know this would be kind of silly, but just go with me here. Um, it'll make sense. So the story about some animals who decided to start a school. The courses included running, climbing, swimming, and flying. They decided that every animal should take all of the courses, and that's where the problem started. You see, the duck was better than his teacher in swimming, but he made only passing grades in flying, and he was poor in running. So they made him drop out of swimming and stay after school to practice running. Well, this caused his webbed feet to be so badly worn that his grade just dropped to average in swimming. But everybody else felt less threatened about that, so everyone was comfortable with that, except for the duck. The rabbit started at the top of his class in running, but because he had so much makeup work in swimming, he developed pneumonia and had to drop out of school. The squirrel showed outstanding ability in climbing, but he was extremely frustrated in his flying class because the teacher insisted that he start from the ground up instead of the tree top down. So he developed a charley horse from overexertion, and he only got a C in climbing and a D in running. Then there was the eagle. He was the problem student. He was disciplined, disciplined for being a nonconformist. For instance, in climbing class, he would beat all the others to the top of the tree. But he insisted on using his way to get there. Finally, because he refused to participate in swimming classes, the eagle was expelled. Okay, I know that's a silly story. But the point is this. God has designed every creature with certain abilities to excel in certain areas. In those areas which you're not, where you're not gifted or you're, um, you don't have that ability, you're not going to excel. When we force somebody into a mold that they're not gifted or have the ability, what happens is we often cause guilt in their life because they feel like I should be, maybe, because they put me there, or there's frustration with that. There's mediocrity. They're just so-so, and which usually then will result in failure at some point. A duck is meant to be a duck because it's shaped to swim. You are meant to be you and nothing else. You are meant to be who God shaped you to be. So I first want to look at some facts about my abilities. Let's look at some facts about your abilities. Again, if you're taking notes, you can write these in on your outline. Some facts about my abilities. The first fact is this. Every ability is given by God. Every ability that you have, every ability that I have, these abilities are all given by God. Look at Romans 12:6. As God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. You know, I don't think that we as Christians emphasize natural abilities enough. I think we overemphasize spiritual gifts. 
to the detriment of the natural abilities that we that we have. You know, I don't I don't agree with the, the thinking that some imply that spiritual gifts are actually more important than our natural abilities. I don't agree with that. If you're a Christian, there isn't a whole lot of difference between your spiritual gifting and the natural abilities because God gives you both. They're both from him and are used for him. Sometimes maybe you get around Christians who tend to imply that, well, if you're just committed to whatever it is, you can do anything you want. You know that's not true, right? So, I mean, for me, I can be committed as I want, but you don't want me singing up here before I came up here right now because you all would probably have exited the auditorium because I can't sing. I don't have that ability, and it would be silly for me to think that I could do it. I, I can't do it. I'll never sing like a famous singer because I don't, no matter how committed, I just don't have the ability. I can be as committed as I want, but I can promise you I will never dunk a basketball, not on a regulation hoop anyway. Lower it down, I might be able to do it, but not without a trampoline. Then if I tried the trampoline, there's a good chance that I'm going to end up in the hospital. So I, can, I might get committed for trying to be committed. That's what's going to ha- happen to me because I'll never have those abilities, and that's okay. I'm, just not, I'm not going to have those, those abilities in my life. But the Bible says that God has given us different abilities, and it's all important. God gives the ability to do carpentry just as much as he gives the ability to someone to preach. They're both God-given abilities. And it says in Scripture that God gives many different abilities. I just want to give you a few. Here's some. God gives athletic ability, artistic ability, architectural ability, administering, baking, Barbering, boat making, candy making, debating, designing, embalming, embroidering, engraving, farming, fishing, gardening, leading, managing, masonry, molding, musical gifts, uh, making weapons, needlework, painting, planting, poetic ability, philosophizing, machinist, inventing, carpentry, sailing, selling, being a soldier, tailoring, teaching, tent making, writing literature, These are just a few that the Bible talks about that are abilities that God has given to the world to be used for his service. All right. So the first thing, a fact about my ability is every ability is given by God. The second thing is, if you want to write this in, is every ability can be used for God's glory. Every ability can be used for God's glory. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. If God gives it, and you have an ability, it can be used for his glory. Any of the abilities that you have can be used for God's glory. You can repair a car to the glory of God. You can balance financial books to the glory of God. You can make a meal to the glory of God. You can manage an office to the glory of God. You can make a sale to the glory of God. You can do surgeries to the glory of God. You can shoot a basketball to the glory of God. Deuteronomy 8.18 says this, Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you the power to be successful. See, you can make money to the glory of God. You know, it's not evil to make money. 
You can make money to the glory of God. God gives the ability to some people to produce wealth. And many of you have that ability. Maybe you just don't recognize it. You know, I heard on the radio this week, I was listening about when the pandemic hit. They were talking about this kid who's in high school. He was a high school student, still in high school. But what he did is he thought, hmm, I'm going to start buying stuff. So he started buying. He bought like, I don't know where he got all the money from initially. Maybe it was from mom and dad because he's still in high school. But he had some money. And so he started buying things like above ground pools. He, he just bought all of this stuff. And then he began to sell it online. And sell it online. And sell it online. Now he's still in high school. But he's hired two of his friends. He pays them $15 an hour. And he made $1.7 million dollars. As a high school student, I'm thinking God gave that kid the ability to produce well, because I go and offer up and I put something on there for like $50. And by the end of the day, I'm like down to a dollar. And I'm like, hey, well, I'll just pay you if I can just bring it to your house. I don't have that ability. I don't know what I, I don't know. But God says he gives you the ability to make wealth. Maybe you're saying, well, how how can that ability that I use in a business deal or close that sale or, or plan a project, how in the world can that ability be used for God's glory? Well, I, I think in the first place, you just recognize where that ability comes from. You say, God, I realize that you gave me the ability to to make these deals or you gave me the ability to plan or engineer this project. You gave me the ability to be able to close that sale and make this wealth. You recognize God. I think that we bring glory to God when we are when we act ethically and morally in a business that we don't cheat people. I think we bring glory to God in a business when we provide a legitimate product or a legitimate service that helps people that brings glory to God. I think God has blessed many men and women in this church with the ability to create wealth. It's, it's obvious there's lots. Why did God give you the ability to create wealth? Well, he did it to bring him glory, not just for your benefit. Yes, it is for your benefit, but it's not just for your benefit. It's to bring him glory, but it's also to help other people. It's for other people's benefit. I think God wants some of you to be so successful in business that you provide a major funding for the kingdom of God. He's given you that ability to make it. Yes, some for yourself, but also to further his kingdom and for his glory. So every ability is given by God, and then every ability can be used for God's glory. Here's the third thing, another fact, and this I think will be very helpful, is my ability to show God's plan for my life. My abilities, if you're like, what is God's plan for my life? Well, my abilities will help show God's plan for my life. In other words, what I'm able to do is what God wants me to do. And when it comes to planning your career, you know, it's like, how, how, do I, how do I do the right thing? How do I know what that is? With all the options, how do you know what to do? What in the world does God want me to do with my life? That's a question that so many have asked. What does God want me to do with my life? Well, Hebrews 13, 21 says, may God equip you with all you need for doing his will. God has given you what you need. God has a will for your life, and what his will is includes what He gives you to do it with. He doesn't ask you to do something that you can't do. He's not going to do that. He doesn't randomly access just a bunch of abilities and plop them on you and say, just figure out what what you're going to do with these. It's not by accident. 
the abilities that you have are there for a purpose. God put them in you for a purpose. You have abilities that I don't have, and they're there for a purpose. If you're good at crafts, it's because God wanted you to be good at crafts. If you're good at designing, he wanted you to be good at designing. If you're good with people or with data, that's the way that God created you. That's the way that he made you. It's intentional. And it's a good indication of his will for your life. If you'll just simply look and see what are the abilities that God has given me. What do I have? I mean, think about it. Why would he give me certain abilities and then want to waste them? That wouldn't make any sense. He, he gives me these abilities. So looking at my shape, all these aspects, looking at my shape, but, but particularly my abilities, can point me in the right direction. Because if God put it in me, there must be a reason for that. There must be something that he wants me to do with this. And then my calling and my abilities will match up. They'll come together. They go together. God put you on the earth for a purpose. He placed you for a purpose. And that's your calling. You're called first to know him. That's why God sent his son Jesus into the world, to reconcile the world to himself. He is the way, the truth, and the life. So we have to first come to him, acknowledge that, and accept him as our savior. That's the first thing. We're called to know him through his son Jesus. But then we're also called to serve him. And he planned in advance the works that he has for you to do. He's like, you know, I'm going to make you, and this is what I have for you to do on this earth. And my calling and my abilities will go together. Every ability is given by God. Every ability can be used for God's glory. And my abilities will help me to see what God's plan is for my life. But here's the fourth thing. Important to think about. If I don't use them, I'll lose them. If I don't use these abilities, if I don't use them, there's a good chance I will lose them. Matthew 25, 28, we touched on this uh, scripture chapter, uh, Matthew 25, a little bit last week. I encourage you to go and read that whole story. But it says this in 28, Then he ordered, Take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. You see, abilities are kind of like tax deductions. If you don't use them, you'll lose them. The idea is God says to whom much is given, much is required, much is expected. And since all of our abilities come from God, then God says, if I don't use the abilities that he's given me, or if I use them uh, not properly, or if I misuse them, he has the right to then take them back. The Bible says, if I don't use my abilities or misuse the abilities that God has given me, he can take them back. He has the right to take them back. We know this is a universal law in life. Right? If I don't use something, I eventually lose it. If I don't exercise, I will eventually lose muscle. If I refuse to practice, I will lose talent. If I refuse to think, I will lose my mind. I will go dull in my mind. Those of you who are employers, if you have people who work for you and you don't use their talents and their gifts, eventually they're going to leave. If they're not pushed to their potential, if they're not using what they have, they'll go. If you don't use them according to their abilities, you lose them. And everybody has unused abilities. All of us do. So what I want to talk about the rest of the time is how to then defrost your frozen assets. And it's this thought that this is going to be the practical part of the message. And it's this thought when I when I think about this, it's kind of like, you know, think about a turkey. Turkey's really good. I love turkey. It's good stuff. But a frozen turkey might as well be a rock sitting in my yard. 
It's worth nothing when it's frozen. I like to fry turkeys, and you have to be very careful, and that turkey has to be completely thawed before you put it in a fryer. But just like a turkey that is frozen is of no value to me, but a turkey that is cooked well, oh, that's, that's good stuff. The same thing with our assets, our abilities. When they're kind of frozen and they're stuck and they're not being used, they're of no good. They're, they're of no value. So how do I get those talents out of neutral and start using my abilities. Obviously, we have many abilities that we're just not using, and I'm going to help you kind of begin to see that. And one day, we have to give an account to God for the abilities that he's given us. What am I doing with these? More than that, I believe you won't be fulfilled in life to the the degree that God wants you to be if you're not using your life to its fullest potential and not using those abilities, unless you begin to defrost those frozen assets the talents and the abilities that God has given you. So let's look at this. How to defrost your frozen assets. I'm going to give you like four, some, four steps from the Word of God on how to do this. So here's the first thing, if you want to write this in. Again, if you're taking notes, is this. Is I must estimate my abilities. I must estimate my abilities. And you might be saying, what do you mean I must estimate my abilities? What are, what are these abilities? Well, and this is one of the things that we do in, in 301 that is very helpful. We kind of help you walk through some of these things. Is The first thing you're going to do is you're going to evaluate yourself. You just evaluate yourself. Assess your abilities. What in the world am I good at? That's kind of what you're thinking. What am, I, what am I good at? Do an evaluation, an estimate of what you're good at. And then ask some other people around you, what do you see in me? that I'm good at? What am I not good at? And maybe make a list. So you kind of just start going through. What are the things that I'm really good at? And you, and you make that list. Romans 12:3. And, and the reason it's kind of good to have other people also help you is because Romans 12:3 says this, don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves and measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given us. So we kind of make a, an estimate about what, I, what I'm good at and those things. And then we ask others to uh, maybe help us in that. So just know what you're good at. So in the late 90s, someone interviewed a, na- a man named Peter Drucker. Maybe you've heard of him. Maybe not. He was the father of modern management, wrote a lot of books. And they asked him, what advice would you give to young people who are trying to get ready for the 21st century? The 21st century is coming. Drucker said this, no your strengths. Know your strengths. The most important thing is to know what you're good at. Very few people know that. All of us know what we're not good at. But the reason why so few of us know what we're good at is because it comes so easy. We sweat over the hard to do things. So knowing what you're good at is the first thing that you need to know is what he said. He said that over 20 years ago. So what has God gifted me to do what has he given me the ability to do you do an audit of your life kind of with those abilities what are those abilities you assess yourself what am i good at make a list of those things ask yourself then am i putting these to use i see these things in me that i'm good at you know there's a myth that says most of us are aware of all of our abilities that's not true Uh, you're probably aware of only a few of the abilities that you have because you're good at it you're typically not aware of it because it's almost like you don't even think about it. It just comes natural. It just, it just happens. That's what God has given you. 
I believe you have far more talents and abilities than you realize. You just maybe scratch the surface. So if you're, think about it like this, you know, if you're a manager, one of the traits of being a good manager, more important than the ability to manage other people is the ability to recognize ability in other people and say to them, hey, do you know what you're good at? And you tell them, you ask them, hey, do you know what you're good at? And then you tell them what they're good at. Because that really then helps them become what they um, are supposed to be, what God wants them to be. When you can look at them and say, you know what you're good at? And then you help them to see that. If you're a reader, there are some tools that can maybe help you find your strengths, find those things that you're gifted at. If you like to read, there's an author. Uh, his name is John Acuff. You can write this down. It's not on your notes. You can write this down if you want. John Acuff. There's a book called Quitter. So Quitter doesn't sound like a good book for finding your strength, but Quitter and then another book called Start by John Acuff and then uh, an author named Tom Rath. He has a book called Strength Finder, which could be a helpful book. And then Marcus Buckingham, he's also an author that has two books. One is called Stand Out and the other is Now Discover Your Strengths. So those might be some helpful things. If you want to hear those again, you can see me after and I can share those, those books with you. All right, so the first thing that I need to do if I'm going to kind of bring out what I'm good at, bring out my abilities, the first thing is I need to make, I must make an estimate. I need to kind of make a list of those things that I'm good at. Maybe ask some people, what do you see that I'm good at? The second thing is then I must dedicate my abilities. I need to dedicate my abilities. I love the message paraphrase in Romans 12.1 and the message is just, it's so good. It says this, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work and walking around life, basically everything, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. So, if I'm dedicating my abilities, what I'm really saying is that I'm going to give them back to God. I've recognized what some of my abilities are, and now I'm going to bring them back to God. I'm going to offer and I'm going to dedicate, and I'm committing them back to God for, for His use. And I'm saying, God, I recognize that you gave me these abilities. They all come from you. Now I willingly dedicate them back to you because because you gave them to me, obviously you know what you have for me with these abilities. So I'm going to give them back to you so then you can help me know how to live them out. I'm going to understand why you gave me these abilities. And if I give them back to you, that will be the best way that I know then I can use them for your glory. So I offer them back to God. Let me ask you this. Wouldn't you love to have your life lived for its highest purpose Really understanding why God made you and why you're here. It's like, yeah, I, I, I want to know. I'm here for a reason. I'm not an accident. So then you must have a very high purpose for my life. I, I have value. So God, what is it? What is it you have for me? Because I want that. There's no greater thrill than having your life used for its highest purpose. Now look, God-given abilities can be used rightly or they can be used wrongly. You can use them for the right motive or the wrong motives. The right way, the wrong way. The right purpose, the wrong purpose. Think about it like this. God gives maybe somebody the ability to organize. They're a great organizer. Well, you can organize a rescue or you can organize a robbery. And they might be able to do it really good. Ocean's 11. 
organizing a robbery. They were good at that. Maybe God gives you the ability to influence others. You can manipulate people or you can minister to people. You can use the abilities that God has given you selfishly or unselfishly. In the Old Testament, a guy named Samson, he's a great example of someone who had so much ability, so much going for him, that used it all for the wrong reasons, and he used it all selfishly, and his life was a mess because of it. He misused the abilities that God gave him. All right, so I must estimate first my abilities, and then I'm going to dedicate those abilities back to God. And then the third thing is this. I must cultivate my abilities. I must cultivate my abilities. You see, so I'm making an estimate, writing out the list. These are the things that I'm good at. All right, I see these things. You see these things in me? All right, great. Now I'm going to take all those and I'm bringing them back to God and I'm saying, okay, God, I see these abilities in me. Help me to make sure that these are accurate. And now I'm going to bring these all back to you and, and lay them before you and say, God, thank you for these abilities. Now show me how you want me to use these abilities which then the third thing is then cultivate. What, what does that mean? What means you've got them. Now do something with them. You've got these abilities. Do something with them. Learn all you can. You practice. You develop. You take training. Improve. Look, God has made an investment in your life, and he wants a return on that investment. He's given you some skills, and now he wants you to sharpen those skills to make them better. Sharpening your skills... I would say it's not just for the business world. It's a spiritual responsibility. God has given you whatever your ability is. God says, I want you to make the most of that ability. Look, if you're good at computers and you're a Christian, you should be the best computer person out there. And you should make those skills better. If you're good at making things with your hands, you should be as good as you possibly can at making those things If you're good at planning, then you should study and improve and sharpen and cultivate to be the best planner that there is. Whatever it is, you should be the best at it of anybody out there because you're cultivating it, saying, God, thank you that you've given me this ability. I'm going to do this to the best of the ability that I have. It's our responsibility before God to take what we have, what he's given us, and then make the most of it. Because one day he's going to ask me, Rich, what did you do with the abilities that I gave you? And I hope I have a good answer. But I'm hoping that I'm sharpening and making those skills better. I love Ecclesiastes. So just really good wisdom here. Ecclesiastes 10.10 10 says, Using a dull axe requires strength. So sharpen the blade. That makes that sense, right? Like if I have a dull axe, I'm going to work really hard to try to chop through some wood. So sharpen the blade. It makes it work better. Tool works better. It's easier to use. That's the value of wisdom. It says it helps you succeed. You see, skill brings success. That's the secret of success in the Bible. Skill, not dedication. I can be dedicated to a lot of things and not do anything and go nowhere. It's skill that will bring success. So how do we get skill? By sharpening the abilities that God has given us. We develop them. We've got to develop those skills. Career consultants say that there are three kinds of skills. There are self-management skills that we all need. There are functional skills that are transferable from job to job. Then there are job-specific skills that you use in, in that particular job. God wants us to, to develop all three of these in our life. So I must estimate my abilities. Okay, I'm making a list, checking it twice. I must dedicate my abilities. 
and then I need to take those after I dedicate them to God, and then I need to do something with them, and I need to sharpen those abilities, and I can make them better. So that leads us to the fourth thing is this, that I must liberate my abilities. What do I mean by that? I must liberate my abilities. Okay, again, I'm, I made an estimate. I'm, I've dedicated these back to God. I'm sharpening my skills. I'm cultivating. I'm using them. That's what this liberate is. Set them free. Don't hide them. Don't bury them. Use the abilities that God has given you. That's why he gave them to you. Again, it's not an accident. You're not an accident. 1 Peter 4.10 says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. I don't know how many of you here, like, we have some sports fans. Maybe we have sports fans watching online or in the pavilion. Sports fans, but right now, like, the NBA playoffs are, um, are on. Um, I, like, I like the NBA. I don't get to watch it as much as I would like to. But, you know, when I think about that, it amazes me at some of these superstar sports professionals who have an ego as big as their talent. I mean, where in the world do they think that they got their ability from in the first place? Because like I said before, I'm not dunking any basketballs, no matter how much I want to. I don't have that ability. Not going to happen. Do they think that they deserve it? So they're all proud like they earned it. Sure, they work at it. They do work at crafting that skill and making it better and better, and they, they work hard at it. But it was God who gave them the basic foundation and the building blocks to, to make that happen. They were given their basic ability by God. There's no reason to be proud of it like it all depended on them. Because, again, if God didn't give them the abilities in the first place, it doesn't matter how much they sharpen that skill. They just they don't have it. You see, maturity is when you're able to say, by the grace of God, I am what I am. That's emotional and spiritual maturity. By the grace of God, this is who I am. This is what I'm not. And you're able to say that. But this is who I am. You know, the truth is nobody is good at everything. And that's okay. It's all right not to be good at everything. We can't be. Nobody's great at everything. We all have weaknesses. It's been said everybody's ignorant just on different subjects. I think I'm ignorant on a lot of subjects, but we don't even go there. I know at least one, right? So, yeah, we, everybody's ignorant just on different subjects. God has wisely endowed each of us with different abilities. You know why he did that? So that we need each other. That's the purpose. And that nobody is just totally self-sufficient. He wants us to need each other. And since it's true that each of us are a unique combination of abilities, gifts, heart, personality, experiences, if we're all unique in our abilities, then what are the implications? There must be some implications for that. If I'm unique in my abilities and you're unique in your abilities, what are the implications? Well, I'm going to give you a few. What's the implication for your career? Well, it's for you to build on your strengths so that your limitations become irrelevant. So I'm going to build on my strengths so that my limitations are irrelevant. There are some things you're never going to be good at. That's okay. God didn't make you that person to do that thing. Now, look, I'm not talking about character. We should always be working to make our character better or stronger to stay strong. What I'm talking about are skills. There are just some things you're just never going to be skilled at. And we have to be able to say, that's okay. There may be somebody at work who is better at this than you. That's okay. Because that's how God made them. He's made you differently. 
Don't worry about it. Build on your strengths. Maximize who you are. Don't try to be what you're not. So then you just team up with people who compliment you. Pastor Jerry's really good at that here in this organization is to at several community churches to put us together as a staff to compliment each other in our strengths. What is the implication for my marriage? Well, obviously we come into marriage with different abilities, right? Yeah. As a couple, here's some encouragement. As a couple, enhance each other's strengths and compensate for each other's weaknesses. Instead of beating each other up over your weaknesses, you enhance each other's strengths and then you compensate for each other's weaknesses. That's God's plan for a marriage. Instead of trying to make your mate like you, don't do it. You, you enhance their strengths and then compensate for whatever their weaknesses are. You know, contrary to popular opinion, when you read scripture, you're going to find very little specific detail on a job description for husbands and wives. There's some stuff there, but there's a lot of stuff that is not there. Like, you know, why did you make us so different, God? You know, have you ever thought about that if you're married? Yeah, you don't you don't have to raise your hand. I just raised my hand. My wife is looking at me. She she gets it. I'm so different. But when we come together it's, it's just realizing that enhance their strengths and compensate for each other's weaknesses. So think about this. Whoever has the ability to do budgeting in your house ought to do the budget. Makes sense, right? The one who can't add better not be in the checkbook. It's just easy. Don't beat each other up over that. It's just, okay, this is your strength. I'm going to compensate for a weakness. What you're good at, let that person do it. What you're not good at, you just compensate for each other. That's what makes makes it work. What are the implications for your family? As a parent, I think one of our primary goals needs to be to help and identify and develop the abilities that God has given our children. I need to help and identify and develop what God gave them, not the abilities that I want them to have. That can happen. Not to force them into a mold. You know, my son... Wade um, plays basketball now, and he plays a lot of basketball. And so we've seen it over time. You know, fathers that are forcing their sons into activities or sports or things that their sons have no interest in, and you can tell they're miserable. Or moms forcing their daughters into classes or sports or programs that they have no interest in, you can tell because they're miserable. So my question would be, who are you doing it for? For you for the kid and it can happen very easily where you know you're kind of living your dream through your child you have to be very careful of that not to do that you know uh like i was saying our son wade who plays a lot of basketball one of the things i ask him all the time because i drive him to a lot of practices and i say you know do you still love the sport and he's like yes i'm like okay if that's your answer always we will continue to do basketball but if your answer ever gets to the place where like, I don't like, I don't like this anymore. I just, I don't want to do this anymore. Say that. It's okay. I don't, we don't want you to do it for me or your mom. You do it for you. You do it because God has given you the ability. You have a heart for it. You love it. So that's why you do it. But if you ever feel like, I don't want to do this anymore, you, we need to give our kids an out. Because they don't have to worry about, well, I'm going to disappoint mom and dad. No. You need to do what God wants you to do. And that's how we need to help them to be able to do what God wants them to do. 
It's our goal to help them discover the abilities that God has given them, not the ones that we want them to have. And then to help them maximize that to their fullest potential. You know, you do whatever you need to do to help them maximize whatever their abilities are to their fullest potential. How about your ministry? You know, the Bible says that if you are a Christian, you know, the Bible says if you're a Christian, you are a minister. So the Bible says you're a minister. And he expects you to offer your abilities to be used in your church family. He's very clear about this. That that's your ministry. You see, there's a myth that says my abilities, the ones that I use at work, the ones that I use to make a living aren't really necessary or don't fit or don't have any value in my church family. Where did you ever get an idea like that? I believe that's the devil. I, I believe he tries to lie to people and make them think that the abilities and skills that they have don't transfer over. Actually, the very skills that you use Monday through Friday are very much needed in your church family. They are needed. And I believe that God places in, in each church, we believe as a staff, that God places in each church the exact people that he wants there to accomplish, because he knows their abilities, to accomplish what he wants to accomplish in that particular church. He knows what he wants to happen in the church, so he brings the people there to make it happen. Because when God has a will... He provides the solution for it. See, God has everything that our church needs, and God wants it to be already here among his people. It's already here. The problem is discovering who the people are that have those talents and abilities. That's the hard part. You know, a great frustration as a pastor is knowing that week after week, there are people sitting out here with talents and experiences that are church family needs and i know during the pandemic it's made it even harder for that there's been times you know in the past where you know somebody was coming to church for a few years and all of a sudden you know we find out that they're a drummer not only a drummer an amazing drummer and we're like why didn't you tell us you know and then they ended up playing for a while for us on the on the worship team we had no idea and, that, and that's the thing. God desperately wants you to be using it in your church family. But when you don't step forward or offer them, we have no idea what they are. You do. It's not like, you know, it's not like God gives us the spiritual force to walk up and go, you know, God told me that you had this ability. So you're going to do this. You're like, I don't know what you're talking about. These aren't the droids you're looking for. No, God doesn't give us that. That's got to come from you to let us know what the abilities are. Again, that's the whole shape thing. That's going to help you to see that. So, yeah, these are my abilities. This is what I feel I can offer to the church. So as we close, I, I just have two questions to consider. Consider this. Of all people, okay, why has God brought me to this church, Seminole Community Church? Of all the people, why has God brought me here? Why didn't he put me at some other church? This is your church home. Think about that. Of all the people, why has God brought me to this place? Why didn't he send me to XYZ church? Why am I, why am I here? Think about that. I want you to honestly think about that. I believe God knows that what you have to offer 
is needed here in this place so that this place, Seminole Community Church, can be the church that God has called it to be. And you are a part of that. You are a part of that cog in the wheel that will make all of this happen. So of all the people, why has God brought me to this church? Why didn't he put me at some other church? And the second question is this. How could offering what I have make a difference? How could offering what I have make a difference? You know, when you read in the Old Testament, and it's really easy kind of to skim over it, but when you read in the Old Testament, when they, first when they were building like the wilderness tabernacle, and when they, then when they built the temple, the amount of skilled people they used to make this stuff happen. The, the abilities, and it talks about, you know, the person that did this, the person that was good with this, with gold, and the person that was good. I mean, there are hundreds and hundreds of them that God used their abilities that if they weren't there, it wouldn't have gotten done. I mean, God, I guess, would have gotten it done somehow, but he used those people. So let me ask you this. What do you have to offer your church family? If Seminole Community Church is your church, what do you have to offer your church family? I'm not just talking about money and I'm not just talking about time. What do you have to offer with your ability? Because you have something to offer. That's why you're here. I believe God wants you to use your shape, especially your God-given abilities, to make a difference at Seminole Community Church. So will you trust Him? Will you, will you work on all of these things and will you trust Him and take a leap of faith and say, God, here's my abilities. How can I use them here? Even if you're scared or nervous or whatever it is, I'm going to trust you, God, and I'm going to start using them here and use them the way that I am shaped for your glory in this church to make a difference for you. Let's pray and ask him for help in doing that. Father, as we are here this morning, we just want to first thank you so much for your son, Jesus. Thank you for calling us back into a right relationship with you through your son. We know that without him, none of this is possible. So, Jesus, thank you for being willing to die on the cross for me, for rising from the dead. And all you, all you say is I just have to put my faith and trust in you, turn from my sin and put my faith and trust in you for what you've done for me for eternal life. So I accept that for me. Now, God, I want to discover these abilities that you have given me. I want to use them for your service. God, help me to really see the things that I'm good at. And then help me to see how I can really use them at Seminole Community Church. That we are all here together. That we are all needed. We are all an important part of what you want to accomplish here at this place. We're not here by accident. We're here for a purpose. God, may each of us use the abilities that we have to make a difference for you. God, thank you for giving us abilities. Help us to take all these and work through them. Help us to, to make a, an estimate of our abilities. Help us to then uh, offer them back to you, to then cultivate them and then liberate them, to, to, to put them into action. I believe there are people sitting in this room. I believe there are people watching online or sitting in the pavilion this morning that have abilities that are going to help us to accomplish what you have for us in the next one, two, five, ten, fifteen years. God, I pray that you would wake them up to that. May we have the courage, God, to use our abilities for your service, to make a difference for your kingdom, to ultimately bring glory to you. 
So we just give you all the thanks and all the praise for that. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Glad you can join us online this morning. Pastor Rich did a great job with this message. I really hope you are starting to see a little bit how God has shaped you using your gifts, heart, and ability. All right, like I said before the message, the collective is meeting tonight. That's our college and young adult service. So if that's you, we'd love to invite you to come live and in person tonight at 7 p.m. for the collective. There's a time of worship, a short message, and then we usually hang out until about 9 p.m. Well, that's it for this morning. It's always an honor to be your online host. Thanks again for watching, and we hope you have a great week.